0: Welcome to the Not-for-Profit On Purpose podcast series. This series is designed to help guide you on your journey through the not-for-profit space in terms of all things not-for-profit, including structures, setting up your not-for-profit, how you report, board governance, accounting, and anything else you could possibly think of in regards to not-for-profit. G'day, Justin from White Source here, talking not-for-profits in the wonderful outdoors. Today... um, there's been a little bit of discussion around director independence, and I thought, especially from a not-for-profit space point of view, what I was going to do today is just effectively a brief history of director independence. So, looking at where director independence started in Australia, it really came out of there was um, so the stock market crash in '87. There was then a, a Bosch report, and that made some recommendations, of which director independence was one didn't really take, then we had a couple of corporate um, issues with Wontel, HIH, James Hardy, and these ones which really impacted, it impacted the shareholders, but also impacted the stakeholders. And that was when I suppose there was a a call to action from the showing public, and effectively we saw ASX bring in their first lot of uh, corporate governance principles, of which director independence was a part of that. And that was just for the Audit and Risk Committee, the basis behind which was to ensure that the directors, there were some directors on the board who had an independent mind and weren't just acting on the basis of a major shareholder or the executive. Now, there's no legal definition of independence or legislative definition. So the ASX Corporate Governance Principles provides that level of definition of what an independent director is. So you can look at there for the sort of the list, but it goes through things like, you know, they shouldn't be an executive. They shouldn't have a major shareholding. They can have a small shareholding. They shouldn't be a director or an employee of a major shareholder. Um, They shouldn't have been on the board for more than nine years. So tenure is a question as well. So that's the ASX definition of independence. Now. In the not-for-profit space, there is no requirement. ACNC does not require there to be independent directors. Um, the need for independent directors really comes down to ensuring that conflicts of interest are managed. That's really what we're doing here. Like if you're not independent, basically you're saying you've got a major conflict. In the not-for-profit space, generally speaking, especially at the startup phase, not-for-profits are set up by people who have a conflict because they're either – have been affected by a disease or one of their family members have or they've, they're investing their time and money in setting a not-for-profit up for a cause that they believe in. It's all, all their effort and time, so they, there is intrinsically a conflict. Now, what we focus on in terms of managing conflicts and not-for-profits is making sure they manage, that you identify them and that they don't affect the board's ability to bring independent judgment to decisions. Now, with changes that are happening in um, aged care sector, which is a sector that crosses both not-for-profit and corporate ASX organizations, part of the requirements that the changes in legislation are currently bringing in is a requirement for there to be independent directors on the board. Now, for an ASX organization, that's relatively known in terms of what you're asking for in the not-for-profit space. Well, that's never been a requirement. It's causing a lot of angst. And that's because we've never known what independence is. We never had to define whether our directors are independent. So, how, how does a not-for-profit deal with this? Well, really, first of all, it's understand that you're going to look for... The first thing people ask for, actually, is well, what does independence mean? And as I, as I said, there is no legislative definition of independence. So all you can really look back on is what the ASX defines as independence. So you can start there. The other point to then note is you need to be comfortable as an organization that the directors on your board are bringing an independent mind to their decisions. So yes, you'll have guidance on what independence is. But again, the way that you can deal with this is really form a view in your own organization that the directors on your board are bringing that independent mind, and why you think that. So that means effectively putting together, and this is, this could be a document you could make as a public document to get on the front foot and be proactive on this, is you can go, well, these are the factors that we're using to determine whether a director is independent or not. So that can be tenure, it can be whether they're a member, whether they're a member of another another body that's involved with the organisation, if the not-for-profit is a subsidiary of another organisation or part of an archdiocese or that type of thing, how that relationship is judged in terms of independence. So what are your factors you use to determine independence and then apply that to the current board in terms of whether you think the board is independent or not? Why I think this is a good idea, if you're concerned about the new aged care and independence, is it allows you to be proactive and and put a case forward. By being proactive, generally speaking, it puts you in a better position because then you can show to the regulator, to your consumers, that you are proactively thinking about how your board is managing the governance of your organization and that it's being done in an independent way to make sure that your customers are getting the care they require. And I think that type of context and that type of transparency is really the gist of what the, that the legislation is looking for, not necessarily to enforce um, rules on your organization, but to aid transparency so that those who are moving into aged care have a clear line of sight of who they're dealing with. The other thing then more broadly from a not-for-profit space, the not-for-profit, this is the aged care industry is one area, but there's a lot of industries that are not-for-profit are involved in that are in both you know, for-profit and not-for-profit areas, like NDIS as an example, like education, like a lot of health services. I mean, this could be something that any organisation working in the not-for-profit could look at doing just to be, I suppose, lift their level of governance but also preempt future legislative changes that might come in and really be on the front foot and be that progressive leading not-for-profit that I think a lot of not-for-profits want to be. So there's a brief history of director independence and a sort of impact on the not-for-profit space. If you found today's video useful, we've got a whole heap of not-for-profit and governance videos on our YouTube channel. Check those out. Um, Otherwise, definitely feel free to give me a call or drop a comment um, if you've got a question around director independence or any other not-for-profit topic. Um, Otherwise, thank you for your time today. I appreciate you taking time to watch the video. That's it for me today. It's been Justin Hogg from Lightsource. If you liked what you heard today, feel free to subscribe to the podcast series. And if you'd like some more information, check me out on LinkedIn. I'm happy to connect and answer any questions you might have. Otherwise, thanks for listening. It's Justin Hogg from RightSource.